the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The first step in following Jesus is we must embrace truth. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Well, this is our third study in Gospel of John chapter 8. So we'll be, again, finishing John chapter 8. And I entitled this message, Missing the Point. Have you ever been in a situation and you just missed the point? It flew right over your head? It's like saying that you're on a strict diet, yet you order a salad because of your diet, but you have shredded cheese all over it, topped with bacon bits, eggs, and covered with all huge amount of blue cheese dressing. If that's your idea of a diet salad, you're missing the point. You should just do like what I would do, order a double cheeseburger with bacon and avocado on it because it's about the same amount of fat grams. I'm sure I've missed the point many times in my life. Just like this young man that I met down in Huntington Beach, He had this gnarly tattoo on his chest. You know, he was kind of built and had the pecs and this big old tattoo across right here. It says, reap what you sow. And I'm looking at the tattoo and I'm thinking, that's a pretty cool looking tattoo. And of course he thought it was cool. That's why he had his shirt off, you know. And so he was kind of a scrapper. So I said to him, I said, excuse me. I go, do you know, he was sitting on the ground. I said, do you know what your tattoo means? And he goes, no, not really. (laughs) I said, well, Well, let me tell you what it means. It means that that no matter what you do in your life, there will be repercussions of certain things. But that is out of the Bible. And so really what God's talking about is the fact that we are going to reap one day everything that we sow. No matter what we do in life, there's going to be a repercussion and we're going to have to answer for everything we've done in the dark. It will all come out in the light one day before the Lord. And he goes, Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. (laughs) So anyway, it opened up the door, though. I got to share with him for about 30 minutes. And he was telling me he had a really hard time with his dad, and his dad was really hard on him and all of these things. And, you know, I wish I could say that he gave his life to Christ, but he didn't. But, you know, when we go to share with people, it's not always about just leading someone to Christ. Of course, that would be a great end result. But it's about doing what God wants us to do. It's about talking to those people and shedding the message and the light on what the message means to them. So it's called planting seeds. And not only do we plant seeds at times, but we water those seeds. 
Meaning, let the Holy Spirit bring those things into fruition. It's like, so maybe, you know, with me dropping those seeds into his life there, maybe later someone else talked to him and another person talked to him. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe one day that man did give his life to Christ. But I wonder how many times in life that we miss the real point. For we can all be guilty of not seeing the obvious. It's like trying to get someone to see the point and they just keep missing it. They can't seem to see what you see and everyone else sees. They finally look at us at times in frustration and they say, why can't you just agree with me on this? As we tell them, well, if I did, then we would both be wrong. <laughs> okay. But today, as we continue in our study through the gospel of John, as you remember, Jesus seemed to be in a continual, ongoing debate with the religious leaders of the day. But the religious leaders always seem to simply miss the point. They couldn't grasp the fact that Jesus was not just an overzealous individual who desired to be a prophet of sorts. He was not a man who just did good among his people. But in all actuality, Jesus was and is the God-man. He was the creator of the universe and the maker of all things seen and unseen. And he's been telling these religious leaders this over and over again, that he's the one who's been called down from heaven. If you remember all the way back in chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says, you search the scriptures talking to these religious leaders because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these that bear witness of me. Then Jesus said in chapter 6, verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Notice, Jesus was always pointing people to himself. Then again, in chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus says, if any man or woman is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And then here in chapter 8, in a previous study, Jesus said in verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but they shall have the light of life. These religious leaders should have known. This is what was spoken back in the oldest book of the Bible, the book of Job, of God being the light of life. How did they miss it? These religious leaders have become nothing more than, you could say, blind guides as the creator of all things, stands in their very path, right in front of their very eyes. But they don't see anything. They're missing everything because of their own spiritual blindness, because of their own unbelief. And the people have become disillusioned with these blind guides for their entire religious system was dying from the inside. Because there was no life in it. Ever been to a dead church? You're just sitting there and you're thinking like, why am I even here? What a waste of time. I don't want to go back there again. And that's what these people were living in this time until Jesus had come. But yet here now we see in John chapter 8 verse 30, we're told that many are believing in Jesus. So let's start and look at our first point, embracing truth. As we read together, starting in John chapter 8, we'll pick up in verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. 
Wow. The truth will set us free. Yes, without question, the first step in following Jesus is we must embrace truth. Meaning, we must believe, we must abide, and we must receive the Bible as truth. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. That word inspired means that it's God-breathed. All scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God, the woman of God would be adequately equipped for every good deed. That means that the truth, the word of God, it does what? It teaches us. It teaches us so that we know what is right. The Bible lays out for us right and wrong, and as we read it, we can discern what is right. It reproves, it says, and it corrects us. Why? To get us right with God, because many of us have fallen astray. And then it trains us, it says, in righteousness to keep us right. Yes, the truth of the word of God teaches us to know right. It reproves and corrects us to get us right, and it trains us to keep us right. Notice the progression in verses 31 and 32 on becoming a disciple. A disciple is a student of the Lord. It's a true follower of Jesus. He says that we must abide in his word. That word abide in the original language means to continue, to maintain without interruption, of course, that we've set out on. And in this case, it's to embrace his truth. Now, throughout all of human history, many have asked, what is truth? And there have been many claims about truth. Truth is defined as a reality that is firm and binding. Know this, there is only one ultimate truth. And now people will argue this today. And they will say, no, there is no absolute truth, people will say. We're surrounded, though, by absolute truth. It's all around us. Two plus two is four. That is an absolute truth because it's not three and a half. It's not four and a quarter. Two plus two is four. That's an absolute truth. I was born because I'm standing here before you. That's an absolute truth. Your heart is beating in your chest right now. That's an absolute truth or you would be dead if your heart was not beating inside of you. But the ultimate though of all truths is defined by Jesus when he was praying to the Father for us in the true Lord's Prayer, which is found in John chapter 17. We'll look at it more when we get there in our study. But in verse 17, Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify who in the truth? Them, who's them? Them is us. It's the disciples. It's us, those who wish to follow him. Those of us who wish to follow him as our Lord and Savior. Sanctify means to be set apart. He says, sanctify, set apart those who follow me in the truth. And then Jesus says, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. So in order for us to be true disciples, To be true followers of Jesus, we must believe, we must abide in, we must continue and maintain a course that is directed by the truth of God's word, which, as Jesus said, is the ultimate truth. That's why we're commanded in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, be diligent to present yourselves as approved to God, as a workman does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or handling accurately the word of truth. Now that word diligent that it starts out with means to have a zealous 
persistence, a zealous persistence. Let me ask you here today, those of you that are true believers in Jesus, do you have a zealous persistence in reading God's word? Understand, when we read God's word, it allows us to navigate through all of life's ups and downs. And there's plenty of ups and downs in this life. I like what it says in Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. See, it helps us to navigate through all the things that we run into in life. Yes, not only will God's word change our course and direction in this life, but it should change us from the inside out. Listen to what the Bible says should be happening to us as believers. Now, it says this in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for we, and again, who are we? It's the followers of Jesus. He says, we are his workmanship. The word workmanship comes from the Greek word poema. And poema is where we get the English word poem. And that word poem is what we are. We are like a handwritten poem from the hand of God to you and me. But that's what we are. We are his poem. And it says we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. You and me were created to have good works to bring glory to him, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, he says, let your light so shine before men. What light? Do we just have our natural light? I'm just a natural glowing little light bulb here. No, Jesus said he's the light of the world. He's the light of life. So when we ask him into our heart as our savior, now the light is within us, but it's him. He's the light. So let his light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. See, now, one of the things that I think many believers lack is they never have gone out and really been used by God to really see his glory come out. See, if you've never allowed the Holy Spirit to use you, you don't realize what you're missing. It doesn't really have anything to do with us. It has everything to do with our availability to be open to be used by God. That's why I think you should come this Thursday and hear more about how you could be serving the Lord. So not only should we be consistent though as believers in reading God's word but we should be heeding what his word says and what it says to us for God's word is an endless resource for all of our needs as it directs us in everything that we need listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 15 and again we'll look at this in more detail when we get there but listen to this it says if you abide in me and my words abide in you. You can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Wow, what a crazy promise. Now, many times all the people hear there is, I can ask whatever I wish and he'll give it to me. Uh, hold on. Did you hear the contingency there? Did you hear what he said? He says, if you abide in me. That means if you do, it will happen. If you don't, it won't. If you abide in me and my word abides in you. See, when we start reading God's word and taking it and ingesting it into our soul, we start becoming who God wants us to be. And then that's when he says, then I'll hear your prayers and those things will be done for you. Yes, true believers will embrace the whole 
of the truth of God's word, while others who claim to know Jesus will only embrace what they want to hear. They'll only embrace what is convenient in their life, and they'll shun away from everything else. Now, while Jesus was addressing those who believed in him, some of these religious leaders, now they step back into the picture again and come back into the conversation. Let's see what they had to say here, picking up in John 8, verse 33. It says, and they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you heard from your father. Notice that's a small F, not a capital F. They answered and they said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, and that's God. Wow, there's a lot of stuff that just went down right there. Notice, though, how the bottom line is they are resisting the truth as they embrace this fantasy world. They said in verse 33, we have never been enslaved to anyone at any time. Hello, excuse me. The Jews have been enslaved to other people many times. They were enslaved to the Egyptians. They were enslaved to the Assyrians. They were enslaved to the Babylonians. They were enslaved to the Persians. And in case these guys haven't noticed, at the very moment, they are under complete and total Roman domination. Yet Jesus doesn't even waste his time with their feeble argument. I think we could all learn from this because we're so prone to get into many debates with people about everything under the sun. And we'll seek after knowledge and the deeper things of religion to counter those worthless, time-consuming arguments as we miss the most important issue at hand. And that is that we as a people are lost in sin. We are separated. All humanity faces separation because of our own rebellion towards God. That's why Jesus spends his time on the most important issue that's at hand. In verse 34, he goes right to the core of every man and every woman on the face of the earth. As he says, he who commits sin is a slave to sin. I wonder if we all know that here. For every single one of us have sinned, some more than others. We won't bring that out here, but just to know some sin more than others. But no matter how much we sin, whether we sin this much or you just sin this much. I just have a few little boo-boos in my life. 
But no matter whether it's a great amount or it's a small amount, guess what? The same penalty is due to every person. That's why the Bible says in Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin, despite inflation, is death. The wages of sin is death. So whether you sin this much or you sin this much, the same wage is due to that sin. And what is it? Death. Wow. But he goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Listen, there is a huge reason why people fear death. And if people are not Christians, they should fear death more than anything. Because the Bible says, when you die, you will stand before me. When you die, it's appointed for every man and every woman to die once. And after this comes judgment. If you're not a believer in Christ, you should fear death more than anything ever. Because once you die, you have no more control. You will stand before God and you will be judged like the man with a tattoo on his chest. You will reap what you sow. Yet for the true believer, we should never fear death all these shootings and this happens and you hear all these freak accidents and everything. We should never fear death. Don't ever fear death because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, he says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Because the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law of God. Why? When we sin, the law is what causes us guilty. So when God, through Moses, had him write the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God, the first five books of the Bible, there's not just the Ten Commandments there. Oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's 613 laws in the commandments. Okay, so 613 laws that if you break, you can feel guilty, you can feel ashamed of. See, those are the things that the law says, that's what gives sin power. Because when you die in your sin, there's a book that God has written and you are his creation and you will stand before him and he can refer back and say, you broke the law here, broke the law here, broke the law here. More places than you could ever imagine. Most people cannot even recite the Ten Commandments, let alone 613 of them. So imagine how guilty people are. But for the believer, for the Christian, for the one who's embraced Christ as their Savior, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, thanks be to God. He's given us victory. Jesus died on the cross and bore our sin on his body so we could be forgiven. I like how Jesus put it in verse 36. He says, if therefore the son shall make you free, then you will be free indeed. Oh, yes. And how did these leaders respond to that? Well, they responded with, well, Abraham is our father. So Jesus said to them, well, then do the works of Abraham. Well, what are the works of Abraham? Abraham simply believed God. He was the father of our faith. The Bible says that Abraham believed God, and because he believed God, it was counted unto him as righteousness or right standings with God. Abraham demonstrated his faith by his obedience to God. Yet these leaders, they don't even have any clue who God is. That's why Jesus makes two references to these leaders doing the deeds of their true father. What Jesus was saying is this, your true father... It's not Abraham. It's not the God of the Bible. 
Guess what? It's the devil. And Jesus said it blatantly, if you look at verse 44, where he says, you are of your father, the devil. Yes, these guys didn't get it. They had no clue what they were doing. And in their desperation, they tried to discount Jesus' words by attacking his personal integrity, by attacking his own mother. They went on a war page here about Mary as they go for the juggler vein, cutting deep as they cruelly insult him. Look again at what it said in verse 41. They said, at least we're not born of fornication. What they were essentially saying was, we know who you are, Jesus. We have traced you back to where you were born. And we know that your mother was nothing more than a two-bit hussy. We know that she became pregnant with you before she got married. And that stepdad of yours, Joseph, he only married her out of mercy. It was a mercy wedding to keep her from getting stoned to death. Wow, this right here is why I'm not God. Because I just would have said, see that lightning bolt? Boom. Man, this just would have been a pile of ashes right there. You're done. I said, okay, next question. I mean, it's like this is why I'm not God. How sad though. These religious leaders, these are the ones who are supposed to be God's spokesmen. The ones who are supposed to know God's word. Yet they have not only neglected the word of God. They are massively resisting the Word of God. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.